This is Five on Three, center ice for all things Islanders, Rangers, and all news across the NHL on WFUV Sports. Welcome back to Five on Three, WFUV's best, if only, hockey podcast. How's that? Copy and James Burley a little bit. I'm Lou Orlando. Nick Palmer is back with us. He went to the dentist today. We're happy to have him here. I'm also joined by Michael Matuch, two good buddies of mine, here to chop up some puck. Christmas has gone and went, whatever. I was sick. It doesn't matter. I want to talk with you guys. How are you guys doing, man? How's you been? I am great. I am so great. I am in northern New York, half an hour away from Lake Placid, home of the 1980 Miracle on Ice. So I'm in hockey land up here. I'm having a fun time. It's a little warm. Little rainy, but all in all, I like hockey. So I'm happy to be talking puck with you boys. I'm I'm doing excellent. This is um I've been taking winter break as sort of my uh because you, you you know I'm 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 a multi-sport guy, but I, I've really been taking winter break to uh hone in on my hockey craft. And this is just like a great time to watch hockey because not only are the kids like Zegris and Bedard lighting it up. All all three New York teams are at least interesting uh, in some respect. I've I've been going to as many Kings games as I can here on the West Coast. Uh, saw them beat the Calgary Flames. I'll be seeing Connor McDavid tomorrow night Whoa, uh, as funny. they play the Edmonton Oilers. And then I don't know what your guys' New Year's Day plans are, but we do have to discuss the Winter Classic, which will be happening on New Year's Day. That's happening at T-Mobile Park in yeah, Seattle. Yeah, in Seattle. I believe so. The Vegas Golden Knights will be going from T-Mobile Arena to T-Mobile Park, uh, <laughs> but that'll that'll also be interesting. So I am loving the hockey world right now. How are you doing, Lou? Yeah, you know I've been I've been better because I I caught what's been dubbed the Jack Warner disease, and so I've, I've been out of commission. Yeah, me and Jack both got sick at the exact same time, and so Jack's sick in Connecticut. I just got like this is my first like good day in a minute. But, you know, still here, still bravely leading the ship as your captain. I got happy to be here and really happy to chop some puck with you boys. And I think let's get let's get the atrocity out of the way first. My cousins for their birth. I have four cousins in Long Island and they have said, oh, it's Christmas. Let's treat ourselves. Let's get ourselves Islander tickets. And do you know what, which game they got? Tickets? Oh, that'd be Isles Pens. Oh, come no. away with a seven nothing win, six goals in the second period, all against Ilya Sorokin. They get one the third. Eesh. Nick Palmer, resident Islanders fan, thoughts. Um, damn, dude, <laughs> damn, that was. I was watching this at home, and the first period didn't even look too bad. I mean, I think the Penguins were the better team in the first period, but not not by a lot. Um. The second period, after after I think about the four after the fourth goal in the second period, that's when I started taking it a little lighter and and maybe the the, the anger subsided because I mean it was it was like a full on free fall. I mean de- like defensive breakdowns obviously. Um, the puck management was terrible from the forwards. They weren't even pushing into the offensive zone. Sorokin looked awful, and I mean you can you can say one or two of them wasn't his fault I I and I know one of the goals was kind of BS as well that doesn't matter if you lose seven to nothing you still are losing the game flat out I think Sorokin stopped what he only faced about 25 shots and let in six goals in that that's not acceptable he gets pulled for Varley and now Varley's hurt um I don't know if you guys heard about this Varlamov will uh be out for a couple games so we'll have our boy Appleby from uh from Bridgeport being called up so we'll have Sorokin and Appleby but dude I don't I'm not worried I'm not worried it was just a complete collapse which happens six goal collapses are tough to come by though I was looking at the record actually do you know what the record for most goals scored in a period is what is it isn't it eight you'd be interested in this Michael Matuch the 1980 Buffalo Sabres what a team nine goals in one period oh that's so sad. Defeating the St. Louis Blues 14 to 5 in 1980. So wasn't that bad, but I Michael, I want to I want to hear what you have to say about this. Cause I was honestly just at a loss for words. 
Yeah, I mean, seeing the Penguins get a touchdown in the second period and the extra <laughs> point in the third really didn't doesn't sit well. I mean, obviously there was no offense, but leaving Sorokin out to dry, he obviously didn't he stopped only what nineteen shots the entire game. But you're leaving yep. him out to dry. You're not even giving him giving him a chance. I mean, he's he's not playing for anything if his boys aren't put, putting pucks in the net. It was seeing that pop up, see getting the notifications, one goal, another goal, another goal, another goal, all one after the other was really tough to see. And I was just each time like, there's no way this continues. And then it kept happening. So I I don't know if this is really I'm throwing my hands up for an Eisen Islanders guy saying like, well, we're screwed. I feel like you drop a game like this once in a while. I feel like this is just a thing that happens to good teams where you just sort of don't, I think, I think they may be a little too hungover from Christmas, but, but I don't know. This, they needed a, they just needed something going forward and not a great start to this uh, holiday after the holiday break. Lou, Lou, I, I think, that's why today is so important against the Capitals because mm-hmm. I, I was I was covering the last game they had against the Capitals and that was a very chippy game and they were it was it was like very rough and so how they bounce back today will be huge for them. Uh, Lou, uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll give you your chance to uh, to rag on the Islanders as much as you like <laughs> here. the The stage is yours. I, actually, I wasn't even gonna be, I wasn't gonna be that me, and I think I'm more surprised. Like I went back. To refresh my memory, obviously, and really relive how bad that game was. I watched some of the highlights and I got to hear the Penguins. They put the Penguins broadcasters on the highlights, so I got to hear the other side. And I think one of the, the Penguins broadcasters went, you know, this is not your standard New York Islanders. And I was like, you know what? That's true. Yeah, like it, it, it was true. I was watching the Islanders just completely collapse. I mean, we know what happens when the ice tilts, how that can get. But it's not every day you see a team like the Islanders just fall apart like that so much defensively when, I think as you said, Nick, sure, the Penguins won that first period. But it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the second period. I mean, it wasn't like that where it's just they weren't they weren't even in it where it's, I mean, missed assignments, missed zones, just like yeah. they yeah, everything just compounded where it's like they couldn't get out of their own head. And, I mean, you just sit there and you feel bad for Ilya. There's like... I mean, yes, he's going to make some of those saves, but at the same time, he's getting no help. And it's like everything that can go wrong is going wrong. And, I, you know, what kind of made me laugh is, you know, last week I, I listened to your Christmas Eve pod and it, it was terrific. But when okay. you guys were talking about the Penguins, like Penguins haven't been good this year. They're a weird team where like look, Crosby's an awesome, Geno's been pretty good, Gensel's been amazing, but the team hasn't been that good. And so for that team to do that to you, I think that's a gut punch too, where it's like, you know, damn man, yeah, they have the ability to score seven go- seven goals. Penguins are 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 pretty offensively strong, especially top heavy wise. But to see the Islanders, who again we always talk about a team that prides themselves on defense, especially in the Trots era. I know it's no, it's Lane Lambert now, but still, like Islanders are a team that should be pretty strong defensively, and to see them just get so out of whack, I think early in that onslaught, like yes, it ends up looking bad, but I thought that they lost their mental probably after that second goal. It's it's also worth noting that the Islanders have have owned the Penguins up into this point. I mean, the the last game they lost to them was, I think they they only dropped one game to them last year, and this year this was their first loss to them uh, in the entire year of twenty twenty three. So yeah, I, maybe they went in a little cocky at some point. I don't know, but I I really would like to see. Uh, you know, but Barzell was pretty upset after the game, and he he gets upset after games like this. Uh, Anders Lee said they need to clean up. You even saw Brock uh, with like a little heat afterwards. And that's something you don't see often. So uh, again, I, I think it's it's hard to put so much weight on this game and it'll be today. That is the real storyline, I think, as to where this Islanders team's going. Do we label this as like a trap game that went wrong? Because I feel yeah. like, every, yeah, I feel like this is exactly what it is. It just going into it, they didn't have high expectations. I mean, Islanders were expecting a win and they just didn't show up. I feel like that's trap just sort game. of the definition of a trap game. Yeah. Trap game is a great way to put it. Yes. But, I mean, and then you look at tonight because they're playing Washington. Like Washington's been yeah. up on New York metropolitan area teams, except for, I guess, the last game against the Rangers. Like the Caps have been 
a weirdly tough out for everyone in our little metro area. And and the Caps are super weird. And, and I, I think especially the Islanders and the Caps, because these are two teams that have completely flipped their identities from last year. The Capitals are now a defensive team. Like they're very st- strong structurally. I think they might lead the league in block shots or something like that. I think I saw that somewhere. And the Islanders are now an offensive team. And they like to get chances on the rush. Uh, Simon Holmstrom likes to score shorthanded and they like moving the puck in the offensive zone. So this will be actually really interesting because it's two teams not exactly playing to their identities, but getting wins. So this will be interesting. And boy, do these teams not like each other. Yeah, the last... You got it. No, you got it, Matich. The last time the Caps won a game was against the Islanders. So they are on a three-game skid as of now. And we'll see if they want to fight back. Because, I mean... Obviously, they're in a tough stretch now, but this is really going to prove if the Islanders what they're made of in this game coming up tonight. I, I guess let me let me ask you this, Nick, because I feel like you'll be more in tune with Islanders fan base. Having yeah. gone through it earlier in the year with the Rangers when Igor was struggling and fans like almost some of them gave up on him. Like, how have the fans been with Sorokin? Because I feel like you look at the season stats now; the GAA is over three. It's not yeah. the Ilya Sorokin that we're used to. Like, is there a panic meter right now? Obviously, the game against Pittsburgh wasn't good. And it's kind of, you know, he's had those every once in a while. The the, the panic meter is not high on Sorokin because j- just watching the goals he's letting in, the, these are defensive issues pretty generally. My dog is, my dog agrees. He's a, he thinks Sorokin's pretty good as well. Uh, but also c- part of that comes with, having Varlamov as your backup. So there really has never been goaltending anxiety as far as the Islanders are concerned. Yeah, but like, I, that's the thing with the Rangers fans. Like we had Quick, who was doing really well, and we still lost our mind. And it's like, I think the weird thing, and what made it weird for me, it's like, it's not like other sports where I feel like, you know, Yankees, Mets, like the Yankees are sometimes considered the more crazier fan base and the Mets are easier in them. But like hockey, right. I feel like all three New York, New Jersey fan bases are pretty crazy and, like, pretty psycho sometimes. That I do think it's kind of wild the way that Islander fans treat Sorokin compared to the way Rangers fans treat Shesterkin. That's true. I, I think I think that's a good point. And, man, I'm, I I honestly couldn't give you a reason why. I, I, I couldn't. It you just, guys just might be better people. Maybe you're better hockey fans. <laughs> man, I all all hockey fans sort of have that... Uh, uh, Dude, I don't have a good reason for you. I just, I just think for what he's done for the team, uh, Islanders fans love him, and uh, he really is. I would argue the fan favorite, game in and game out, and and I don't know if Igor has that. Not not that Igor isn't a fan favorite, but there are guys on your team who are more maybe beloved uh, than Igor is. I I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if we have like a golden boy like that. That's like free of criticism. Because even Me, like, it's it's hard it's for Mika Zibanejad yeah. to get to get. It's hard to criticize Mika Zibanejad. Yeah, but people do. I think maybe Fox is probably the one that slides by because he's like homegrown, right. and he's not a goal. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I will. My one Islanders dig that I will take is: Did you see the like the hockey stat card? The hockey stat card. Yeah, what, like, what card? The site that does like the they do like the game values for each player. Because they, oh no I no I didn't see let that. me let me send this to you because it's it's the worst hockey stat card I've ever seen and I went oh viral. no it went viral on Twitter and I think every single player was negative value that yeah. doesn't surprise me that doesn't Oof. surprise me at all yeah let me see if I can find this but yeah uh I'll send that to you that'll be my one dig for you Islanders okay fan. but I mean hey just bounce back a little bit I don't know that's okay that, it, I think hey, everyone has a- everyone has games like this. Like, it's one game. It's that, one game. That game is is weighed the same amount as a three uh, two overtime win for you. So you know it doesn't matter. Or sorry, sorry, it's weighed the same amount as a regulation loss, no matter the score. That was oh, here we go. We've got it here. All right, let's let's read this out for for the for those listening Ooh. at home who had the yeah no okay. Here's something that surprised me actually, you guys. Noah Dobson and Simon Holmstrom at the bottom of this list. Noah Dobson's on your first pair, and he has looked very strong defensively this year, which is not like the part of his game that is often highlighted. The first defensive pair looked awful, man. And that that honestly is what worried me the most. 
So if if there's one thing that we need to look out for going into this game against the Capitals, it's the Dobson pair. Because if that line is if that pair is not performing, then the entire structure just completely collapses. The Islanders have the Capitals tonight at seven thirty. Rangers played the Capitals a couple nights ago, and they won five one. Oh. And that was, you know, it wasn't coming out of Christmas break great for the Islanders. It was pretty fun for the Rangers. They got a pretty easy. 5-1 win, Keandre Miller showing off with two goals, and I was supposed to be at this game, couldn't make it, sick, ill, hey man, whatever, but Rangers get a pretty easy win, and again, that's a Capitals team that's just given all of these New York teams a lot of trouble, and really, second period on, Rangers make it look easy, Igor has a nice night in net, and this is, again, that's, when the Rangers are firing, that's that's what it looks like, that's what, it, that, that's what good Rangers hockey has looked like this year. Yeah, I I think that's a great point. I mean, the, the the Rangers, I think if there's one thing that they maybe not are known for, but something that's incredibly notable is their ability to come back and win games after a bad first period. I mean, they scored what they scored four consecutive goals in this game uh, after it, I coming think it down. Been, I think it might have been five because yeah, they right. won one nothing and then they they scored the next five. Right, and and that's their um that's their twelfth comeback of the year. So that's. I mean, that that leads the league, I believe. I, the, if it doesn't, then it has to be tied. Uh, let's see. Uh, tied with Dallas. Tied with Dallas for 12. Uh, but, man, Zabanajad, that's his uh, 800th NHL game. Dude has been scoring like crazy. Artemi Panarin. You guys just have guys who are so, so consistent. And I think that's a big difference between the Rangers and Islanders is just the consistency of your top guys. It's absolutely beautiful to watch. So, Congrats on that one. How about Blake Wheeler? How about Blake Wheeler? That's a point streak on four games, and we were really, really hard on him early in the pod. I, I want to hear your guys' thoughts on Blake Wheeler in the recent stretches. Yeah, I, I really liked what I've seen from Blake Wheeler. Honestly, I would say the last month or so, I think the turning point for me was, gosh, I think it, I think it was the Toronto loss that ended up being 7-3. Mm. He has a like excuse me not goal where he really didn't mean to score it, but just like was very active that game. And I started to notice him in the four check, started to skate around a little better, and started playing more of a two way game. He the first month or so of the season we had talked about it. he was slow, not active. Every once in a while he'd make a nice pass and you go, oh, there's that hockey IQ that we brought him over for. But for the most part, he had been disappointing. No, I, I really, I think the last month or so, you're getting the Blake Wheeler that I thought was advertised, which is, hey, this guy's not an all-star anymore. He's probably well past his prime, but he can still give you valuable ice time out there. And if you put him on a line with Kreider and Mika Zibanejad, that's three really smart hockey players. And now I think Blake Wheeler's body has caught up to where his mind is at least a little bit more, where he's making plays, he's making more defensive plays than I ever thought he was going to, which is, I, I think that's cool to see. And he's become more of a playmaker offensively where you're seeing a lot of those nice pass, nice passes happen consistently. I, yeah, I am. I am thrilled with what we've gotten from Blake Wheeler recently. And I, I don't know how sustainable it is necessarily. I like to think that it is. Yeah. I, and I, you know, I, I think he's meshing really well with the team. I, I, I really enjoyed watching that goal. I, I think it was about a week ago with the crazy Zabanajad, uh where he was, beneath the net that between the legs pass Blake Wheeler fi- sends that home and just the look on his face is just complete oh. disbelief I have that, that pick, I have it saved in my camera roll I do the and that like but Mika I think is also a big part of it too where right. my dad said it to me yesterday where he was like you know I, I'm I'm really glad that Mika has started to heat up because he's a guy that can disappear kind of like Kreider and I was like yeah that's mm-hmm. a good point like Mika is we know that Mika will go, will have cold stretches and then he'll be the best player on the Rangers for two months. And the same way that like Kreider every once in a while will disappear. But I think the big difference between Mika and Kreider is like Kreider's game allows, allows for him to disappear and not hurt the team as much. He's a guy that right drives the net. He's going to be in front of the net, but Hey, if he's not there for a game, whatever you're not, doesn't necessarily kill you. Mika, especially in that line drives the play. So when Mika's yeah. struggling, it throws off that entire line. That's why I think Kako was struggling earlier in the season. It's why everything looked out of whack and why the only points they were really getting was on the power play. Mika's now driving the play the way we know Mika can drive the play, making like great some of the best passes he's ever made 
in his life. The patience that he has right now, the confidence on the OT when a Ray goes behind the net, just holding, oh. holding, holding, and then backhand finds Kreider. That beautiful one tap that you talked about with Blake Wheeler, even in this game, he's got one where Mika's along the wall. And again, holding, holding, holding over to Trocek, over to Panarin. Like his vision is crazy and his ability to create plays and create plays for other teammates, whether it's directly to a goal, whether it's for an assist, like he completely changes the way they operate five on five or the power plane. So I think he's a big part of Wheeler's success too. And so I, I definitely would link those two together. Like Mika, eight game point streak, but I think there was a stretch on November 20th. That was like his fourth straight game without a point. And ever since then, he hasn't had back-to-back games at that point. He's been like an absolute tear. So Mika completely turning things around. For me, that's been the big X factor. I'd say like this last month in change. Yeah, I mean, the Rangers have been dominating. It's been impressive to watch. Uh, like seeing Wheeler and what they've been doing to like uh, the, the, in the Sabres loss the other day, I was watching that. That was terrible. I hated that. Mm. They that beating the Sabres in OT and just yeah. seeing the Rangers and this tear that they've been on is really impressive to see. And the, the patience, you know, I kind of the patience on that goal. Yes, the yes. patience yes. on the Mika goal. It's crazy. As as a goaltender, that is the most infuriating kind of goal to give up because you you know he's gonna even you, you almost assume he's gonna shoot at because if you're if you're rewatching the the play there, the Sabres do have guys back. Like it's not like yep. they're. They're leaving him completely alone. And honestly, if Mika makes that pass any time earlier, that's not going in. Uh, they were playing structurally sound, but it was the waiting. It was the waiting, dude. That that's he got he got UPL skill. to follow him. He like yeah he he, he dragged like, him out of the crease, and then I mean, listen, there's three sabers in the crease, but he puts it on Kreider's stick, and there's nothing you could do about it. And and no. UPL had a good game too. That and that's like like the Rangers did not play a great game against Buffalo, but. They do enough to get the win, and that's kind of been the running theme sometimes with them too. But I, I don't know. I, I look at that Washington game, and I go, I think we've been talking about the Rangers defensively and their struggles. And according to the metrics, 1.93 expected goals allowed, their second best of the season. And I really felt like that. Eh, I think part of it might be Washington just wasn't sharp. I didn't feel like they were ever a threat in that game. Um, And really, a lot of their chances – frankly, came off of the Rangers giving them opportunities. At the end of that game, they had a couple turnovers that Igor bails them out and Igor was sharp. But, like, Washington didn't do a great job of creating chances. I think you give a little bit of credit, or I'll give some credit to the Rangers defensively. I thought they did a nice job of clogging up a lot of those scoring lanes. No, yeah, the Rangers looked decent in that Caps game. I mean, just have the what the five unanswered goals really just shows like what this team's made of. And we talked we talked about their like their like comebacks this season and how many they've had. And it's just sort of time and time again they're just this incredible consistency that's leading them to this like this promised land. I'm jealous of all these Rangers fans. I hate them, but I'm Lou, I'm just so jealous. <laughs> Lou, I, I it seems like a big difference in the Rangers team is you, you know you hear no quit in New York a bunch this year and, and to be fair there was a little bit of quit in New York last year so so what <laughs> what have you noticed about sort of the culture shift of the Rangers like what what has changed because honestly the team composition itself is not markedly different from last year but on paper the team's worse that's I mean right yeah. that's like undoubtedly the team the team is worse and the team might not ever be as good as they were on paper last year, at least from a, a four line forward perspective, what you had last year was a dream come true and they didn't mesh whatever. We'll save that conversation for another time. They had such a, I think it's so apparent now they had such a big coaching issue last year that mm-hmm. has completely changed by, I think giving them a defensive structure to focus on that has allowed them to hone in on that end of the ice. And offensively, I think I think it's structure on both sides, but not putting people in a box. Whereas Galant, we always thought that Galant wasn't really doing things. Like there weren't schemes, there weren't adjustments. It was kind of, all right, I'm putting you guys on the ice. You figure it out. You do this. But also, I'm going to get mad if you do things the way I don't like you. I don't want you doing them. But I'm not going to give you an alternative way to do it. Where Laviolette's giving them a structure to play in 
but also then giving them freedom to improvise off of it. Like that's why I think Panarin's having such a good year. Panarin's playing in a system, but he's allowed to work off of it where he knows where everyone else is going to be. And so that allows him to break away from that and kind of do his own thing, spin around and create chances for everyone else. But he knows that, all right, we're running the system the right way. Like Trocek's going to be here. So if I spin off, I can still find him backdoor and stuff like that, where I just think, first off, the from a on-ice perspective, the, the structure that Laviolette has brought, and I think who he's been as a person, where we've seen just how active he's been in practices behind the scenes, like actually talking to players. It's crazy that that's like a thing that I'm giving him compliment for, but apparently Golette didn't talk to players last year. So like I, the fact that Laviolette's just actually been a human being to them, I think it's just such a world of difference. And I think anytime you, you move on from a coach that you had some issues with, I think you even saw it, the transition from Quinn to Gallant, where Gallant's first year was really good because players were tired of David Quinn and Gallant was a breath of fresh air. And then that second year, all right, Gallant overstayed his welcome. So maybe it is a little bit of, hey, this is something new. So our legs feel fresh and we're really into this. But I really buy into what Peter Laviolette has brought to the table. I didn't think I was going to love him. And I've been head over heels. I love that for you. Yeah, I love that for you. Yeah. I, I think the, the Rangers are an exciting team to watch. And I don't know. I I, I don't find myself um, – I don't find myself often disappointed with how the Rangers play. I think even in the games that they lose, I don't think they're ever truly down and out of it, which 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 says a lot about that team. And I don't know if you agree with that. You, you can you – can No, agree. I – I, yeah. I, I agree. Like even that Toronto loss and being seven, three, like you go into the third period. I felt like, you know, they were very much in that game. Like if, if they're down two goals at any point in the game, I feel like they have a striking shot and yeah. they really don't go down by more than two that often this season. So like, no, it's, it's kind of been like one of those seasons where even when stuff has gone wrong comparatively to how like things have been in years past, like, this is this is the best season that we Ranger fans have had in a minute in terms of just like constant happiness, like everything, everything feels great. There is a little bit of me that's like there will always be a little bit of me that's waiting for the other shoe to drop. But I don't, I'm not going to go. I'm, I'm not going to even let my mind go. It hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Enjoy I, it. There's no point. I in- do want to say it at, for all the trials and tribulations that we've as Rangers and Islanders people have gone through. The devils are truly in like a bad spot yeah. um not only was akira schmidt sent down to the comets for uh nico dawes yesterday but also i was i was looking at the schedule for the devils going forward and they have i think <laughs> top three most difficult schedules they have i saw that said games. they have the hardest uh, one of really? the, okay. i saw said they have the hardest in the yeah. other, which is god bless they, i think Kings have eight easy. back-to-backs eight back-to-back sets oh uh, for that, that's just, I mean, that's also just an issue in the NHL where I, I'm noticing that with the Rangers too. There are so many back to backs lately that just don't need to be there. I, I, why, why is this a thing? Like with the NHL, can't they do better scheduling? It, it feels like also there are so many teams with games in hand. I, I was looking at the Kings. Uh, they have the second highest points percentage in the NHL after your Rangers, but they are in third in the Pacific because they played like six less games than than Vancouver. Yeah, it always makes me so confused with scheduling towards the end of the season. Just seeing like teams that have like five less games played. I always like throws me for a loop and I have to like re like learn like who's actually the best team in the league. It it has to hurt. Annoying. Yeah. It has to hurt these teams somehow though with with all the back to backs and and the games in hand. I that that's something I have to take up with the scheduling team, though. I don't know, but yeah, we could do Devils. a whole pot on that. But you you queued up the Devils, which is good. Let's get to that because mm. they they get a pretty nice overtime win against the Blue Jackets. Where I mean, you talk about how things are bad in Devils land. How bad would it have been if they lost this game? Because they fight they fight mm. all this way to tie it up two two, and then Jonas Siegenthaler just loses the puck at the blue line, and the Blue Jackets take a three two lead with two twenty left in the game. And Luke Hughes does his best impression of his brother Jack and just goes coast to coast. And, you know, here I was impressed with what Keandre Miller did in the Rangers game with some of his backhand crazy shot stuff. And Luke Hughes basically willed the Devils to overtime. 
and then Timo Timo Meyer gets the OT winner. I mean, can you imagine what Devil's Land would have been like if they lose that game? It would have been bad. But the state of the least, yeah. It would have been bad, and I don't even think the Devils really deserve to win that game in overtime, no. if I'm honest. Because, yeah. um, what, Timo Meyer got that off of a fan shot, right? Like, the shot was fan, and, th- and then he took it. And, like, yeah, okay, good on Timo Meyer for absolutely dusting everyone. But uh, didn't he beat Merz Lincoln's five-hole as well? He beat Merz Lincoln, Lincoln's five-hole, and, like, Merz Lincoln got a piece of it, and it just kind of, like, trickled in. So... It's not uh, the prettiest breakaway goal you've ever seen. They need that though. They absolutely need that because if they if they lost this game to the Columbus Blue Jackets, I would be in full panic mode. And the Devils are a team that, and I I think we might get into the uh, what trades could be happening. I know it's still early; the trade deadlines in March. But the Devils going into this season are a team that you think about the trade deadline. They're buying. They're buying. They're buying. There's no world in which the Devils sell. If they lost this game and that trend continues, the Devils, like, obviously, I don't I don't even think if they're out of the playoff, they're going to be selling their big pieces. But still, I'm, I'm worried about this team now. That's interesting. Like, they can't, they can't ever, that's the things that they can't ever sell, right? Because you made all those moves, these moves this year and for your future where, I mean, you are a stacked team right now and you are locked in to be a contender that when you underperform, you have nothing to do but continue to add add on it, and that's what's. Uh, you got you brought in I think into a really interesting area where you look at Timo Meyer, and it's three straight games of a point, four goals in his last three games. I'm not sure I buy in and like he's back yet, but what you listen, he's coming back from that lower body injury. Like him getting back up to speed, and I mean Burley said last week like they haven't been able to play him in the top six. Like that's a big loss. Timo Meyer is supposed to be a big part of this team, and. You get him right. You think about playoffs like he's a guy that should be a big piece of their playoffs. I went into this year looking at the Devils and going, all right, I'm not high on their goaltending. I didn't think Vanacek was going to follow up what he did last year. And I thought Schmidt was going to fall off. And I was I was pretty low on their, on their defensive pairings too. But I thought their offense was going to be able to outscore whatever they gave up defensively in the regular season. And then when we got to the playoffs, things would tighten up and you need to change pace and everything like that and i still think that maybe you can get your offense right and outscore in the regular season something needs to be done and i think you have, probably have to pick between either goaltender or shoring up uh, your blue line because when you get to the playoffs we all know that the the space shrinks there's not as much room to maneuver and it's guys like timo meyer actually become very valuable because of that tough physical game that they play but I mean, all the the focus, I think the way they've struggled offensively and we've focused on how bad they've been defensively, they're going to need to improve that because otherwise, if they make the playoffs, they're going to get walked. That's the thing. Yeah, Timo Meyer Meyer will be great in the playoffs, but you got to make the playoffs first. I mean, nine goals, six assists. He's a minus 14 on the ice. Good Lord. Uh, He's If you're a fantasy hockey manager right now, Drop Timo Meyer. Make a trade. For <laughs> There's him no way he's on people's rosters anymore. I, I'm just saying, if you have him, now is the time to trade him. Now that he's on a little bit of a scoring streak, so I, I don't know who has Meyer in our league, but I don't I, think I anyone encourage does, them. Too. I hope. I don't think okay. Maybe Brian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mike. You were gonna say something. Uh, even though the Devils have been in a really weird funk as of lately, I feel like they're still. They're still in a decent situation compared to a lot of other teams because they're only what two points out of a wild card spot as of now, and I mean they only have a minus five goal differential. I mean while they still have all these big glaring problems, there's still a lot of time that the Devils can really put this back together, which I mean like is still interesting to say just because there's obviously like there's the goaltending issues. There's Luke Hughes and Jack Hughes having to carry this team on their backs time and time again. But, like, I feel like there's still a lot of good opportunities for this team going forward. I wouldn't – so that's just sort of me saying I don't think they're that bad. (laughs) It's hard to say they're bad with the the Hughes brothers. But, I mean, I feel like there's still – also, the Metro is, like, a challenging division to be in. So I don't know if it's just sort of an idea where they're in a slump right now and then they'll come back 
second half of the season once they finally get it together. And then, because there have been points in the season where they're able to sort of get it together, but then they kind of fall off at the same time. I, so, I want to get into the goaltending thing because we've always had the goaltending conversation with the Devils, especially yeah. this year. Yeah. And now we at least have, I think, something new to say besides the goaltending's been bad, the defense in front of them has been bad. Where we have, as you said, Nick, Akira Schmidt's down with the Utica Comets. They sent him down to the HL, mm-hmm. called up Nico Dawes. And in my mind, listen, Nico Dawes in his one year in the NHL, his stats are not that much different from what Akira Schmidt and Vitek Vanacek are doing. Honestly, you can make the case that on paper, listen, Vitek has a much better win percentage, but Akira Schmidt's stats are better. But you can't send down Vitek Vanacek. Um, and I think they're trying to change something up, try and create a spark. Better to do that now than later when time's going to run out. Right? Agree. Like, the closer you get to April, the harder it is to do this move. Uh, maybe they're trying to build up Schmid's confidence in the AHL. Maybe this is a more long-term thing. I kind of, I'm curious to see where you guys, your heads are. But the way I see this is things aren't going well right now. So what's the harm in at least trying something? I'm not sure it's going to work, but you have at least some time here before it really gets close. You're right. This isn't this isn't like a permanent diss on Akira Schmidt. I, I, I know I heard Lindy Ruff just saying that he just wants Akira Schmidt to play more games. And that's that's gonna happen in the AHL. He he wants him to get into a rhythm. And that makes sense. But but as for Nico Dawes, um he's coming off of a uh, a hip surgery, right? Uh from last year. And in the AHL, I, I look at stats. Um he has three starts in the AHL, 2.39 with a 9.30 save percentage. I mean, that's pretty solid. I don't know if he, like, his hip just turned him into a transformer or something. But, <laughs> I'm, I'm, no, I'm I'm serious. He's like, I have a lot of, I have a bigger range of motion with my hips. He doesn't get cramping anymore. So, who, who knows? Maybe Nico Dawes. Maybe, gonna... maybe he got hip surgery from the same guy that did Canes. But, uh, no, yeah. I think that, that's one of the things that was interesting about this is I read an article and they were like, you know, they thought maybe he might have been ready to start the year from the beginning of the season in the AHL, but they eased him back in because of his hip. I, I think everyone in the media thought the plan was going to be, okay, now that Christmas is over, like he's going to get a lot more starts in the AHL. And they they really surprised a lot of people when they called up Dawes. So it's like, it's not like this is a guy that has just been racking up games in the AHL. Like he just got back to playing, really. That's why I, I do think it's a little bit of a statement in terms of like, hey, the Devils, they're not satisfied with what they're getting from their goaltenders. And they're probably not satisfied with what they're getting from their blue line either, but you can only make so many changes and they've already tried to make a couple changes. Well, they're, they're playing back-to-backs against the Senders and Bruins today and tomorrow. So Nico Dawes is probably going to be playing one of those games. So which game do you have VTEC start and which game do you have Nico start? I mean, God, I think. Or does it not matter? Start Dawes against the Senders, I'd say. Yeah, dude, why not? Trial by fire. Toss him, toss him against the Bruins. See how he does. You know what? I actually do. <laughs> I actually do love that a lot. I know. Maybe, I, maybe, I he's, like... maybe he's like dumb and stupid and doesn't realize, and he's like, "Ah, oh, yeah, Bruins." <laughs> he he hasn't he hasn't been in the NHL since the Bruins went on that crazy run. So maybe he thinks it's the the Bruins of old. Yeah, I. You know what? I I buy into it, but I mean, I I I think the the big thing that you hit on is that. The road for the Devils does not get any. That's what's scary. So the road yeah. for the Devils does not get any easier. We can have these conversations about this team is too talented to play like this, and they are. But at a certain point, like this becomes your identity and who you are, and you are. I I don't want to have this conversation just yet, but there is going to become a point where we're gonna get where we're gonna get to a point where we're gonna say, hey, like it's too late to turn some of this stuff around. We can't keep waiting on this team to put it together. I feel like I kind of went to that with the Rangers last year where I kept being like, okay, they're going to get a stretch together and they're just going to get hot and they're just going to go. And I kept seeing like I kept talking myself into that and it never happened. Like that's very much a possibility. Is that is that how we're ending our devil? Well, that's a morbid way to end our devil segment. Unless today we have. I, I don't know what you want. Oh, me I thought, to I thought say. it broke up for a second. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what you want me to say. The devils. The devils are in a pre- precarious situation, and yeah. and I don't. Well, okay. Okay. How about this then? How about this? What do the devils need 
as an instant fix, whether that's whether that's a player mm-hmm. or some some shift in their play. What can the Devils do between between that game against Columbus and tonight's game against Ottawa that would make them a better hockey team? See, what's scary is I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's what's scary. I don't know. I think they call Bettman and try to get their schedule moved around, and that's the big change that they try to make. But <laughs> thing I, is, there's I, a lot. There's, I don't know. Yeah, I've I've got one thing. Just just come out of the mm-hmm. gates ready to play, because the Devils uh, are like the Rangers, a, a very big comeback team. Their last two wins have been comeback wins. Lindy Ruff is tired of hearing about the Devils being a comeback win team. I I want to see them get out of the gates hot, so that way they don't need to worry. Uh, so much about you know whether or not their goaltender is going to let in a bad goal or so or if their defense is going to collapse because the the way the devils used to play is let's run up five goals in the first two periods and then we don't got to worry for the rest of the game that should be the devil's identity and they just haven't been doing that recently am i overlooking things just because they haven't won as many games and it feels like they're not playing with the same fire is that just because they've lost more expound i I feel like last year they were such a, I mean, they were, God, they were so explosive and it felt like you went up against them and they didn't, they didn't care who you were. They were going to come, they were going to punch you in the mouth. I remember like, even when the Rangers were able to beat them, like, oh my God, they put up such a fight. And like, we met them and we met them in the playoffs and they're bad for those first two games. And they come right back and they punch you in the mouth. And it was like, even when they lost to the Hurricanes in the playoffs, like this devil's team just felt like, man, it was so hard to keep them down. And they just, I feel like they just don't have the same fight this year. And I'm worried that that might just be me from the outside looking in and going, oh, they're having more struggles. They're not going on 12 game winning streaks. Yeah, they're not. They don't care as much. They're not. They don't have the same spark. They don't have the same the same explosiveness. But it does. from watching their games, they don't feel as quick. They don't feel as quick and they don't feel as crisp. The, 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 the they're, uh, their tape to tape passing is not at the same level that it was, especially in the offensive zone last year. So that's why I'd like to hear maybe James Burley's take on this, because it does feel, it feels not shallow, but, but um, it doesn't feel like I'm doing them justice just to chalk it up to the fact that they don't have the fire that they had last year, because all people in the, all players in the NHL really want to win. Right. But, but I also, it seems correct to say that because I don't have the answer for 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 why that isn't the case. So I don't know. We'll 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 send Burley a message. We'll we'll see what he has to say about it because it that's what it looks like, Lou. You're not wrong, even though it's a simple answer. It just doesn't look like they have fire in them. Well, we'll we'll talk to Burley, but I think let's go non-local for a little bit here. I really want to get into some of this Patrick Kane Red Wing stuff. Because I don't know mm-hmm. that we, have we talked to Patrick Kane since he's since he first signed with the Red Wings? Not too I think, much, I don't think. Maybe a little bit here and there, but... We talked about the trade, and I, I know in his first couple games, he, he he wasn't popping off, but now he and Debrinkat are just... I mean, they're back at it again, and they're little sellies together because, you know, they played on the Blackhawks, and I don't know. It's, it's really cute. I like it. For Kane, it's... Five straight games with a point, four straight games with a goal, nine points, five goals in his last five. And despite this, I mean, he's been on the absolute hot, red hot tear. Red Wings are two and eight in their last 10. They've lost six of their last seven. And it's kind of like a go figure kind of thing where Patrick Kane, it seems like the hip surgery is fine. And this is a guy that we talked about. He's, you know, playing at his best, one of the best players in the NHL. Seems to be playing like that right now. You talked about pairing him up with the Brinkat, who's been one of the best guys in the league this year. And despite that, the Red Wings are probably going through their worst stretch of the season. Yeah, I was. I'm really impressed with the way that Kane's been playing because I just didn't. I thought he was going to be old. I thought I, I when when he didn't go to Buffalo, I was convinced he was going to be old. That he's going to be washed, and that seeing him uh, 11, 11 games played, eleven points is really impressive. Just really impressive to see how he's. Doing and how the rest of the team sort of falling to the by to the wayside, just sort of around him as they sort of collapse. It's it's impressive to see how how he's been doing good versus expectations and how the Red Wings sort of aren't. Yeah, I'm I'm seriously worried about the depth on this team. If if I'm honest, because past the first to bring out Larkin Kane line, which 
you could honestly put up there with some of the best lines in the league, and, oh, yeah. they, and they would they would be right up there with them. But the Perron Comfort Raymond line, I haven't been impressed with at all. Cop is is looks like a shell of his former yeah. self. Uh, I mean, I, I don't I don't know how much ice time the the Zarnik uh, Sprong line is getting, but it sure isn't a lot, and for good reason. And even the defense, I mean, Jeff Petrie was an elite elite defenseman on the Penguins. He hasn't been really pulling his weight at all, and Ghost as well has has been underperforming. So, I I, I didn't. I didn't have this on my bingo card. If anything, I had Kane underperforming and the Red Wings overperforming like they were in the beginning exactly, of the season. Yeah. But now it's been a complete flip-flop. And, and I'm worried for this team because they were supposed to be exiting the rebuild now. And now it seems like they just have veterans doing the job that their young guys should be doing. And right, they're they're in a weird spot where, again, I don't think anyone necessarily expected them to get up to this hot of a start to open the season where – I mean, gosh, they were one of the best teams in the NHL to start the year. And and now they're in this weird rut where, listen, I think they've had a lot of weird stuff going on. Spent, like, between Larkin's injury and then some of the personal stuff that he's had to deal with, like, he's had a weird year. Uh, and I think that probably hurt them, you know, in November, December, when he was dealing with some of that stuff, injury-wise and other. And I think, like you said, like, yeah, you're not getting any performance or n- not the performance that you'd like out of everyone below your first line, like that Andrew Cop contract is starting to look more and more like a disaster. And I, I thank Chris Drury every day that the Rangers passed on him because he was awesome in their playoff run. But Andrew Cop, I would say in his first two years of Detroit has not been worth the money that they gave him. And he's a guy that when he's playing at his best should be like a very, very capable second line center or second line winger, depending on your team. And you're just not getting really anywhere close to the value that you should be from him. And I think you said the second line too. Like, it's tough to win hockey games when you only get production from Debrinkat, Can Larkin. Yeah, I that's a great point. And and yeah, the Rangers the Rangers should be very happy they passed on the uh, the Winnipeg retirement home uh, uh, scheme there. Uh, but but Winnipeg. He's like one of the best teams in the league now. Dude, now that they've that? gotten rid of all their old stars, I don't know if we if we talked about this a ton. You guys talked about it a little bit last week, and you gave you gave them some presents. But like, I think we beginning of the year we talked about Winnipeg. And we're like, all right, like we all agree Winnipeg's going to be awful, right? Like, I think everyone <laughs> in the hockey media world agreed. Like, Winnipeg's trading everyone, and they're going to be really bad. Like, lock it in, and they're one of the best teams in the NHL. Yeah, dude, Mark Shifley is having a ridiculous year, and I, I, I think everyone knows he's good. Everyone knows Josh Morrissey is good. Everyone knows Kyle Connor is good. But these get no one expected them. Minus you know, after losing a lot of the big pieces, no one expected the big. Th- that how am I going to put this? They're what the Red Wings, uh, should be with their top three. <laughs> their top three is carrying their team. And the Red Wings are not. Shifley, Morrissey, Connor, Ehlers with Hellebuck and Net. This the the Jets just aren't extremely deep at all. And I've been very happy with how they've been playing. I am also happy with the fact that they have employed uh two of my favorite former kings in uh Gabe Velarde and Alex Iafalo. They've been playing very well for them. So so you know, I'm it's quiet roles that the other guys are playing. But the big three for Winnipeg plus Hellebuck. If that gets them into a playoff spot, I don't think it'll win them a lot of playoff games. But if it gets them there, I mean, that's a job well done. They also employ Neil Pionk, which is fun. Love it. Big fan. <laughs> Big um, Pionk guy. Huge Pionk guy. Uh, unless you have any final thoughts on Red Wings, we can get into some of the other stuff. All right. Let's get yeah. That's uh, one of the coolest things around the NHL this past week was being two Michigans on the same day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It started with the Golden Boy Connor Bedard, which is if you're tired of the Connor Bedard posting, which shut up. But if you were tired with it, you were not going to love the fact that he he is sick, Mishy, and that is all over Insta and Twitter for the next week or so. And then Trevor Zegers did it in his return back. So, I mean, probably two of the coolest guys that could hit a Michigan in the NHL did it on the same day. 
which from a marketing standpoint, pretty damn cool. Mm-hmm. It's now, so cool. I, I saw some guy on Twitter talking about that they should ban the Michigan, and I got so upset. I got so around? upset. It's so cool. Every single time I see one, I'm like, it's just like incredible to watch. Which is, I, I think it's uh, one of the coolest acts, uh, aspects of the sport that that when it happens, everyone's like, that was sick. And it's, it's just sort of a universal, that was pressured. sick. That's yeah. like, Bedard was yeah. facing intense defensive pressure. And yes. Stuff. That's what's so cool about those. And what what was also special about these two Michigans was was they were completely done in the flow of the play. It's not like it's not like they were they were sitting behind the net. They sort of pick it up on their stick mm-hmm. and then do it. It was it was completely flowy. Now we just got to get Logan Cooley to do it, and we'll have the trifecta. <laughs> uh, but I, as a goaltender, ban the Michigan sounds really sweet to me because it is one of the most embarrassing goals that someone can score on you. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. It it brings so much hype to this game. My my brother, who's not even a hockey fan, uh, had something to say about Bedard. So it's it's good for the game. It's good for the game. The Michigan is good for the game. Bedard is unfortunately good for the game. I still think he's kind of a brat. If I'm honest, I'm I'm uh, I still don't really forgive him for how he started out the year. Uh, in preseason, refusing to get off the ice, taking, you know, two 33-minute shifts. I think that's not a good look for a rookie. However, when you are that skilled and you are going to be the face of the league, I'll, I'll give Bedard a free pass. Those those two guys are uh, – they're something special. And Bedard is 18. Do you, uh, Like, when you guys were 18 – I was – I was joining FU – you were joining FUV, but don't don't you think that if you were training at eighteen years old, by the time you turn twenty two, you're going to be so much stronger and so much better? Like I, at eighteen, think, you're not even close to done improving. Oh, no. he's what he's doing right now. Like he's as everything that ad is advertised. Like he's he's going to be the next Crosby. He's he's the next generation star, and it's going to be a treat to probably going to be a treat to watch him because it. That shot stick. That shot is sick, and that shot the same way that Ovi's shot has lasted for twenty years. Like that's a shot that could last for twenty years. Yeah. He's not a guy that is built on a like. I think the knock on Bedard is he's not super fast, so his game should age well, which is really yeah. good if he's going to be the next Sander Ovi. He he's not fast, but he he has great edges. And and what what impressed me the most, like. The Michigan was the more impressive of the goals, but his goal before the Michigan in the second period where he just battles his way to the net and, you know, he ends up getting tripped, you know, breaks through three defensemen, not exactly skating around them, but just pushing through them to get the puck in the net. That is honestly what what impressed me the most with him is he's not afraid to get into the play. And uh, that's that's good for a player who uh, who's new to the league, who might be a little bit intimidated. Trevor Zegris may be dating Dixie D'Amelio. I will not be discussing this further, but <laughs> wasn't she there for it? She was there game? for him. She was yeah. there for his mission. Yeah, she yeah. was there. Listen, whatever. And then I and also that. saw that the reporter got... beforehand asked as a Christmas gift, can you do the Michigan? And then I, he did it, which I thought was very funny. Yeah. I don't know if you guys saw that video, which yeah. was crazy, but like Zegris, Zegris is special guy. Special yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, He's only taking dubs, dude. It's crazy. Yeah, for real. For real. Crazy. Crazy that he got benched earlier this year. What a, what a year it's been for him. Isn't yeah. that? Yes. That is crazy. Um, let's wrap this up, though. Uh, nearing New Year's Eve, and with that, that brings, I would say, the most famous outdoor game that the NHL does, the Winter Classic. I think this this year's matchup, I think, is really cool because – most of the times we get like a lot of the old school teams, a lot of the big markets and it's Vegas and Seattle at Seattle. Vegas is a big market for sure. But I would say outside of the Dallas Nashville one, we haven't gotten a ton of the newer teams. So it is kind of cool yeah. to see the winter classic kind of branch out a little bit and try and take some of the newer teams. And I think Vegas and Seattle, two expansion teams that kind of appeared at the same time or within the same time frame, that this could this could definitely be manufactured into a rivalry, especially once Seattle gets better. I that that's a good point, and and I am 
I do think I I really like the jerseys for this one, especially the Krakens, uh, the mm-hmm. Kraken sweaters, because it is a harken back to the 1922 Seattle Metropolitans, which were a team. Not it was in the pre NHL days, but it, but it was a legit professional hockey team. So I think those are some pretty cool sweaters. I also don't hate Vegas's. I hate the team. I hate a lot of the players, uh, but I, I I don't hate them. But just looking forward into this game. Uh, the guys to watch, uh, and Michael, you're uh, you're gonna love this one. It's gonna be Jack Eichel. Jack Eichel is is having himself a hell of a season. Um, do you do Buffalo fans hold a lot of bad blood for Eichel? Because I, yes. I know the 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 whole the whole controversy over Buffalo didn't want him to get that spinal surgery or whatever, and and Vegas let him do it the way he wanted to. Uh, how how hard are Buffalo fans sort of? So, uh, the my idea, at least personally, and the sort of the general consensus of people that I had talked to is when he left Buffalo to go to Vegas and that trade happened, we were okay with it, we were fine with it. But then he came back to Buffalo and was like dumping all over the fans because he said, uh, we beat them, uh, three two with uh, Alex Tuck, who traded with was in the trade for Eichel, doing Eichel's Sally afterwards to ice the game. Michael, after the game, was going, yeah, this is the loudest I've ever heard this place in 10 years. That's what really, wow. that's what made him really hated in Buffalo. So now, yeah. That's pretty Eichel's funny, though. Buffalo, it's a yeah. So, but, I mean, it's, it's it makes me mad to see how well he's doing with the, with the, with, in Vegas, because, I don't know. I mean, allegedly he loved the snow in Buffalo, and he's, I think he's really enjoying it in Vegas too. So, I mean, well, seeing what he's doing is impressive, to say the least. But I hope they lose really bad to the Kraken outside. Yeah. Spe- speaking of Vegas, it's been an interesting stretch for them. They lost four games in a row before beating mm-hmm. the Kings uh, last night uh, by a score of 3-2. to two. And even even that was a – it was an ugly game for the Kings. They didn't really didn't show up in the first 40 minutes and showed up in the last 20, but it was too little too late. The Golden Knights are a wagon, man. I'm, I oh, mean, yeah. and it's not even, it's, it's a group of veterans, really. It's, it's Stone, Carlson, Marcia. So, I mean, these guys who have, who've been hanging around the team, the Golden Knights are seven years old guys. That's crazy. They don't yeah. that ridiculous. And a lot of these guys have been there from the beginning. Um, so, so these guys they they fight hard they're chippy but not in it not in a penalty drawing way they only drew one penalty or i believe two penalties uh in the entire game last night but they lost four games in a row including a really bad loss five to two to the ducks which was hideous now they're going into this winter classic game with a win over the kings under their belts probably feeling really good they needed to win that game uh i think that's sort of just a blip in the radar this team is a playoff team undoubtedly the Kraken, on the other hand, not so much. And this is sort of yeah. a market correction for me as far as far as the Kraken are concerned. I don't think the Kraken should have made the playoffs last year. Uh, it's The team's just not where they need to be. With that said, man, uh, this will be fun to watch. It's, it's, it's outdoor hockey on the West Coast. Nothing I love more. Yeah, I think on paper, the matchup's probably not as good as you'd like it to be for Winter Classic. I think we've had probably closer teams in terms of skill level. But I do think the outdoor game brings out, especially the Winter Classic, New Year's Day, like that brings out a little bit of energy and juiciness. Like I, we should be in for some fun. I think, you know, it'll be cool for Seattle to get that. And I wonder how, how packed T-Mobile will be for that because, I mean, I, that's the first time I think that T-Mobile has had has hosted a hockey game before, so I think that'll be pretty cool. Oh yeah. Oh I, yeah. I do I do want to throw this out though, because we know we I, I just said that the Golden Knights are sort of trend trending in a down direction. The Kraken, on the other hand, 5-0-2 in their last seven games. Uh and they've lost 12 games this year by just one goal. And nine of those are after regulation. So I mean that that means that they're at least sticking with the teams they're playing. So maybe this might be a better game than we think it's gonna be. Yeah, I'm probably being a little too mean against Seattle. I mm. just kind of was like with you and was surprised that Seattle made the playoffs last year. Didn't think that they were going to follow it up this year. So I haven't, 
I think there have been some people that are surprised by the fact that Seattle has quote unquote underperformed. I think they're just more playing up to their the level of talent level of their roster and in a pretty good division uh, in the Pacific. So, but yeah, listen, Winter Classic games, especially with the environment, like that's always going to be a ton of fun. I think we should also mention like PWHL starts mm. on New Year's Day, which will be really mm-hmm. cool. The first game is Toronto and New York. And so that's, I'm, I'm excited just because I think that when we talk about sports trying to work in, into the women's sports landscape, that I think hockey is going to work really well. I think there are some sports that probably don't necessarily translate that well. Like even basketball to some extent, because I think, think about how much the game changes from the men's level to the women's level. Not that the game doesn't change, but I think that hockey is a sport that works really well at both the men's and women's level. And we've seen women's hockey be very entertaining before. That I think to finally have this unified professional league, it's starting small. And I think, right, they're a little bit behind on getting some of the branding and the logos, but I still like the fact that they're trying to get it out there and trying to build their fan base sooner rather than later with the prospect of, hey, in the coming years, this is going to grow and develop and it's going to develop it's going to develop into like a legitimate professional league that you can be proud of and hey that that first game is already sold out uh between toronto and new york and you know I, and i think it's fitting that it starts out small the nhl started out with an original six teams yeah. and we have an original six for the pwhl oh, I think so i perfect. think that that's perfect that's a good way to sell it and, and i think you're right uh w- women's hockey i think is it's already pretty popular for hockey fans. You know what I mean? And I, I think in sports like basketball, I, I think a, a lot of people overlook the women's game, uh, but not in hockey. In hockey, uh, w- women's uh, hockey players are often very well sort of tracked and respected. Um, j- just to name one, I mean, Sarah Nurse is an international star, you know, and not yeah. just because of who her husband is. I mean, she's a really, really talented player. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it. I'm I'm going to be watching. I think they're doing a really impressive job of marketing it before the season actually starts. Like it's, I I find this super impressive because there's been a there's been like a female hockey in Buffalo because like Buffalo Buttes with like the uh, what's the what was it the Premier Hockey Federation and they they folded this past off season just because and just because it wasn't as uh, it wasn't drawing the numbers, but seeing the way that they've marketed this, I think I feel like this is like a marketing, like this is like if you want to start something, even just business wise, this is a an, an, an very, very inspirational way to just market anything because they're drawing a crowd. This is the first time that uh, New York's had like a hockey, a female hockey team in a long time. So I'm really excited to see where this goes. For local ladies, hockey is always so fun to watch. So. For local people, there will be some games at UBS Arena this year. A lot of their home games will be up in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Total was it Total Mortgage Arena, where Bridgeport mm-hmm. plays. Uh, and I don't know if I'm allowed. I'm not going to specifically disclose any information, but I will just say that someone that is a close friend of the pod and a WFEV alum is going to be working some PWHL games this year. I don't know if I'm allowed to say who, but. Just look out for that. There's going to be someone we're very close to. We'll be working a lot of those games. So that's pretty cool to watch out for. Um, I think unless you guys have anything else that you want to hit on, I think we can wrap up. Um, Winter Classic um, predictions. Just give me a score. I think I, I really hope uh, Seattle whoops them. I really hope it's a whooping. And I don't expect it. Washington has a huge chance of a great start to the new year. If, if they beat If they beat Vegas and then if Washington football – beats texas later that that day washington the state of washington has a good chance to start the new year i hope that that'd be cool i maybe like four two four one i would really want seattle to win i'll go i'll go four two vegas brett howden that's more realistic brett howden gets a breakaway goal um yeah yeah i have um i have four three vegas uh alec martinez scoring in overtime oh i hate you (laughs) Why Why would I say something like that, Lou? Why would I say something Bad like that? Guy. I was so nice to Ilya Sorokin today. Why, why would I say something fair. like that? It's not fair at all. That will do it for us. Happy New Year's, everyone, when you're listening to this. Enjoy the new year. We'll see you guys next year. How funny is that? 
Uh, Whoa. That crazy. Divided. What year are we in? 2023? Yeah. Yes. Uh, how about that? Ready for it to be over anyway. Uh, it's been fun chopping up puck with you boys. If I don't if I don't see you enjoy the rest of your breaks, for Nick Palmer, Michael Matuch, I'm Lou Orlando, 5 on 3, as always, is a production of WFB Sports. Take it easy, everyone.